He grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere, a radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell, and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and welcome aboard. Uh, we got 90 degrees <clears throat> outside, excuse me, uh, and partly cloudy skies. It's, uh, But it is warm, and there's humidity out there. Just a time for the uh, Italian Fest, which cranks up today uh, at 4 o'clock, uh, just a little less than an hour from now. And uh, then it runs uh, tonight and then through Saturday. And uh, uh, I think it actually started last night. And so it picks up again tonight. In fact, it may have opened at 11 today. As a matter of fact, I think it did. At any rate, uh, it's a great event. Um, it's over there at Marquette Park. Uh, they're in uh, Mendenhall and Park. And um, parked across the street and uh, wherever you can grab it. Be careful where you do park, though. If you block anybody on those little side streets, they will come tow you away. Also, tomorrow night, live at the Garden, Lady A will be there. And there's still some uh, some uh, tickets available for that. Uh, I do want to say that uh, thank you, Lord. You uh, kept me out of a major wreck this afternoon on the way in. I'm uh, headed down Poplar Avenue right there by um, River Oaks Restaurant, Chef Jose Gutierrez's place. And I'm looking, and, and I, I do this all the time in Memphis because you know how people drive in Memphis. They do that old trick where they pull out in front of you just hoping you'll stop. And if it looks like you're going to stop, then they'll pull out in front of you. So I'm always on guard for that. That and the other one I hate is the one where you're stopped in traffic and somebody starts weaving their way through three lanes of traffic, and they can't see what's coming. They just hope that everything's going to turn out okay. Well, today I'm driving along about 40 miles an hour on Poplar, passing the River Oaks. I see this. It turns out to be a woman. Not that there's anything wrong with it. And she starts pulls up to the drive where you exit out onto Poplar Avenue to go left. Uh, and she just kind of keeps on, she kind of stops for a second, but then she starts moving ahead. And I said, this woman is not going to stop. And as she inches forward a little bit more, I said, she is literally, and so I hit my brakes hard and my horn at the same time and slide right up to the middle of her car. I mean, like two inches away from T-boning her. And she looks at me and she's waving going, I'm sorry. I'm going, you're sorry. <laughs> I just got this car. And, I said, and I, it took me three years to find it. I mean, this is a great car and not a scratch on it. Thank God the brakes work and the tires are good because uh, otherwise I'd have been in the middle of her car and my car would have been total. Her car would have been total. And uh, so you just you do have to drive defensively in Memphis. And if you see somebody looking like they're getting ready to do something stupid, go ahead and figure they are and go ahead and start taking invasive action at that point. Don't wait until... You actually hit them and say, you know, I'm in the rut. Guess what? Your car will be totaled, and uh, it's you can't get anything fixed. If you can, it's going to take months to do it. And if you love your car, the last thing you want to do is wreck it because it ain't never the same again. So, And, and the thing about it is traffic is not even bad today. I mean, I'm looking at traffic right now throughout the whole city, even Germantown Parkway, which is always red and green slowdown zones. Uh, it's just a little bit of yellow. That's it. There's not a wreck in the city. Mine would have been the wreck. Uh, wait, there's something. Let me see what that is. Uh, uh, Oaklawn Road, there's uh, some kind of obstruction. I'm not sure. Right there at I-240 and Poplar. 
But otherwise, there's there's nothing. It's just a, there's very little traffic. I think everybody that could get out of town has gotten out of town. And it's almost like a Sunday morning, except for this lady. And, and admittedly, she was uh, she was waving, saying, I'm sorry. But, I, you know, it's just people, you got to keep your head in the ball game. You know what I'm saying? You got to think. You can't just get out there and go, la-di-di-la-di-da. So anyway, got that off my chest, but I thank the Lord that uh, it wasn't it wasn't serious. Uh, I was sitting there, did have a little adrenaline rush. I'm not gonna lie to you, I was, <laughs> um, and I'm awake. I if nothing else will wake you up. A near collision will wake you up every time. Uh, also, uh, the uh, jobs report came out today, and the stock market is up 700 points. Uh, that was based on 300 and something thousand jobs being created. Uh, there's still a lot of people out of work, but I don't think they want to work. And, and if you're planning on a trip to Florida, um, there's a, uh, hurricane Arlene is now forming in the Gulf, uh, headed toward the Western tip of Cuba. And usually those take a uh, curve and head North after they reach Cuba. I've covered dozens of hurricanes over the years. And so it just depends on where it goes. It could track for back to the east and hit uh, the peninsula of Florida. It could go straight ahead and hit the panhandle of Florida. It could go to the board to the west, hit uh, Louisiana, Mississippi, Texas. So keep an eye on that. I know there was one year we were headed to Florida, uh, and there was a hurricane that hit. ended up going to San Antonio. Had a great trip, but you don't just hope that the weather will be nice because there's nothing worse than going to Florida with the kids locked up in a motel room and the electricity goes out and you got no TV, no heat, no, no, nobody's open to get any food. You do not want to go to disasters. In fact, when I used to cover disasters, the first thing I would do when we would get into the area is find a motel with electricity because all the other reporters were looking for the storm and the damage. And I'm going, I know where the damage is. <laughs> what we need is a place to go after we start covering this because once you go to the scene and you start getting stories and filing it, <clears throat> then uh, then you go start looking for a place that has electricity so you can get some air conditioning and uh, take a hot shower and all that. They're all sold out because all the residents have gone there and found them. And uh, so that's always the first thing. So if you ever cover a hurricane, get a hotel room first and then go cover the news. Because I promise you, your assignments editors and all the people back at the station watching you on television in an area where there's nothing to eat, no nothing. And they're sitting there going, when are you going to feed us a story? And you go, soon as we get there, after we get a hotel room. <laughs> got to be smart because those people don't care. They got a place to go to tonight. And so, um, but it is no place to be. I remember being at one hurricane that was in Desta, as a matter of fact. And it really wasn't hurt much by the hurricane, but the storm surge blew right through all of the condos and all the big hotels and stuff. It just blew through their ground floors, just a huge water tide, uh, and just blew everything out on uh, 98, the coastal highway there. And we were all set up in these uh, satellite live trucks. There must have been two dozen of them all in a row. And uh, everybody's trying to talk on their cell phones, and nobody could get out. And I looked up down the road and said, well, I know why we can't get a signal because like, everybody's got a cell phone. We're all trying to call their stations. The smart ones, like the networks, all had satellite phones, which you don't have to use a local cell tower, and so they were able to get out. And then other people found other ways to communicate. Uh, uh, but uh, 
that's something you should be aware of. I mean, especially now with the grid, and they talk about the grid's really vulnerable. Uh, ham radio operators are, are really popular right now because if it ever goes out, cell towers aren't going to work. If we lose electricity, you know, if you got transistor radios and then some radio stations out there that have generators, they can keep on putting out information. In fact, the car dealers, um, Ford just announced they were going to take uh, – take uh, am radios out of their newer models so they're like especially their electric trucks uh i know that uh tesla took their am radio out and said who needs that plus it made a staticky noise on the car when you would because of the electric motors but the government came back and said uh, we strongly advise you put them back in because of emergency broadcast system that's how we get out to everybody is through am radio and we do a test here all the time just uh, testing the signal to make sure it works and uh, you want to be able to get that signal, so it's worth it to invest in a portable radio, battery-operated, with extra batteries. Always keep a flashlight. Build yourself a little uh, uh, rescue package with, you know, water, some food items. Just If you just get, the, you know, uh, power bars and things like that, that you just survive a, even a couple of days. you got to have water. And if you've got just a little something to eat, you can keep your energy up. But you got to know what's going on. Otherwise, you're flying blind. And so I highly recommend AM radios for that. Um, and this is kind of interesting. Walgreens is now out in Chicago. They're, they're locking everything up. You go in the store. I don't know if you go to Walgreens now, but you've got things that are all behind this plastic stuff. And if you want to get something, you got to go find uh, an employee to unlock it. Well, what they're doing in Chicago is everything's locked up. And you got to go to the employee and say, okay, I want to buy one of those. And then you don't get to hang around. You got to go back up to the front to the checkout stand. And then they bring the item up there and that's where you pay for it. I tell you what kind of reminds me of if you've watched old movies where people used to go to a general store and you'd go up and you'd ask the shopkeep, I need a pound of flour, pound of bacon. And then he would go get it all and bring it back up. And uh, whether he went upstairs to the second floor or back behind, everything was behind the counter. And all the customers were out there in the front, and they milled around. And he thought and then Piggly Wiggly came along and invented the first self-serve grocery store, which was revolutionary. And uh, you went and picked up your own stuff, got in line, and checked out then. And I guess nobody really thought about why didn't they do that before. I guess it was because they, they were stealing them blind before. <laughs> and they didn't want to say the reason we came up with this because we can now trust people. People a little bit, had a little bit more wherewithal. But so many people in those days, in the early days, didn't have any cash, and so they would do barter. They'd trade eggs for this or bacon for that, and the short, the storekeep was kind of like a hawk shop guy. And if he thought something was worth something, then he'd trade you that for another food item. And that's really how so many people made it through the Depression is uh, trading things and bartering. Well, it looks like uh, we're headed back there, ladies and gentlemen, so... If you go, I knew even in Memphis, there's a lot of stuff you can't get. Uh, they got it all locked up. In fact, I was in a store the other day, and they had uh, baby formula all locked up because apparently they steal baby formula and diapers and all that kind of stuff, which is really sad because, you know, they're stealing for little kids because they don't have the money to buy it. Uh, but uh, it is uh, the brave new world we're entering, ladies and gentlemen, and you got to be ready for anything, including somebody pulling out in front of you in traffic. So be be careful driving home. All right, we're going to take a quick break, then we'll be right back. Stay with us. Love this song. Uh, if you ever saw the movie Sandlot, this is uh, featured prominently in the movie. 
David Mickey Evans, who wrote, directed, uh, and uh, conceived and actually lived the movie, he and his brother. I uh, I got to be good friends with Mickey over the years. He's been to Memphis uh, before a couple of times to do the, the deal where they play the movie at uh, AutoZone Park out on the on a screen out in the outfield and uh, sell t- T-shirts and uh, tell stories. It's really cool. It's a great movie, uh, Sandlot. And uh, in there, the, the one of the kids fakes uh, drowning so the good-looking lifeguard can save him. <laughs> and uh, this song is uh, part of the movie. Uh, good summer viewing, too. I mean, it's just a good uh, old-fashioned kind of movie. And we need to get Mickey back on again, uh, David Mickey Evans, because he he lives in Florida. And I talked to him a couple of times during the pandemic, but it didn't bother him all. He's got a scooter, electric scooter. And he says, as long as I can get to the liquor store or the grocery store, <laughs> so I can survive this thing. And he, and he apparently did. Uh, but uh, this is the way that said Green Onions. Uh, I think it's the name of that. Is it Green Onions? or Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you can rent the, the movie, I'm sure, on, on Netflix. By the way, Netflix has cut out all sharing. Uh, you've either got Netflix or you ain't got Netflix. Uh, all my kids were on mine, um, wherever they were, and so now they're all squawking. <laughs> so, well, I guess you'll have to come to my house to watch a movie. All right, let's go. I want to go back over again about the Biden falling yesterday. President Biden took another another fall, which is the third time he's fallen since the first of the year. Um and somebody was talking today, said, if we know about the, this, these falls, the three that we've seen that they were all on camera, how many times has he fallen someplace else? Because he's, he's not on camera. He's not in public very much. I mean, over the last five days, he's been in front of the camera like maybe three times. And they said also after he fell at the Air Force Academy, when he was going to get on the helicopter or, or Air Force One, he bumped his head. I, didn't, I don't know if they have any video of that because I didn't see that. And the the question is, if and I was talking to somebody about this, if you had a, a somebody that was a quarterback for your favorite NFL team, and all of a sudden he was dropping the ball and throwing interceptions, oh wait, Dak Prescott does. <laughs> Maybe he's, his time is over. And I love Dak, but as much as you love somebody, and you may love Joe Biden, but at some point you have to say, is he effective at his job? And if he's stumbling and falling down, and let me tell you something, yesterday. The other times he's tripped and fallen on the stairs going up to Air Force One, he catches himself. The worst one was that when he first got elected, he fell like three times. But he was able to get up himself. Uh, this one, it took three people to help him lift up and uh, and get back on his feet. There was, If you look at the video, there's a, an Air Force, uh, a female Air Force uh, person that's standing kind of back to the left-hand side. And she sees him fall, and she starts moving forward. And then she sees all these other people go over there to help him, and she freezes. And then she sees where they're having a hard time getting up. And then you see her retreat back out of the shot. And I think what she's thinking is, oh, he's down. I don't think I want to be a part of this because they come along and say, yeah, you actually hurt him worse helping picking him, pick him up right then. So I think she chose uh, to uh, flee the area. And uh, then he got up and said he tripped over a sandbag. Uh, I have covered news conferences and and areas where you have a podium set up like that. There are sandbags that are used to hold, make sure the podium's held down, the teleprompter viewing screens are held down. But he was walking out there in the, in the flat of the stage. 
And uh, he turned around, looked, and pointed uh, at something. But how many times have you done that? When you walk along, you trip on something on the sidewalk, and you look back to see what it was. Like, uh, had to be something, surely, to God, I didn't trip over my own feet. And many times there's nothing there. And you go, well, something got me. Um, but you're not the president of the United States. And it is, you know, there is something to be said about optics. They're always talking about optics. And the other thing is they they never talk about anything on, on uh, Twitter. They don't say, we're not going to succumb to that. And they were all over yesterday defending him, saying it's not that big a deal. You know, everybody trips now and again, but, uh, you know, it's just, uh, so, so then you start saying, so what are they going to do about it? Cause they see it just like we do. I mean, uh, you may not like him. You may think he's a uh, terrible for the country, the Democrats, so they may think he's terrible for the country too, but he's a Democrat. So, you know, that's all they got. So they're thinking, okay, well, how do we handle this? We got Kamala out there, but who wants Kamala? I mean, she's more unpopular than Joe. And she doesn't even stumble around. She just says stupid stuff. And so you sit there and go, so what do we do? Well, remember back when, back in November, December, Joe was gone somewhere. And uh, Newsom from California, uh, he shows up at the White House, <laughs> walking along through the, the Rose Garden, got his jacket off. And, I mean, who who let some strange, I mean, how like you leave your office and you go someplace, maybe he was in, at his uh, beach house somewhere, the president was. But in the meantime, they let some guy that might be trying to take your place into into the White House for a little discussion. What are they talking about? Are they interviewing my replacement? And that's exactly what I think they were doing. And uh, so they got Newsom hanging around the eaves out there, although I don't think he's exactly Mr. Popularity around the country because look what he's done for California. It ain't been good. And so... Then there's talk about Oprah and Michelle Obama. I don't think Michelle Obama wants to do it because it would require, I mean, just going and doing all that stuff. And that's the whole thing about Joe. I mean, the guy is 80 years old, and uh, he it's obvious he's not in, in top shape. And then you listen to Trump, and whether you like Trump or not, the guy's sharp as a tack. And, uh, and they all go back to when he was a walking gingerly down the ramp at West Point, I think it was. It had been a light rain, and he was trying to make sure he didn't slip because he knows what it looks like if you slip and go down. You don't want to do that. But he is, uh, he, his, he's able to remember names, dates, uh, what, when things happened, who was there, the names of books, and uh, I don't know. just ain't looking good for old Joe, if you know what I mean. And right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Thank you very much, and uh, welcome back. Uh, I was trying to think back to presidents, to other presidents that had um, stumbling problems. I remember Gerald Ford, uh, Chevy Chase had a ball with him because Gerald was always stumbling down the stairs of Air Force One and running into walls. And uh, Chevy Chase on Saturday Night uh, Live just had a field day with him. Uh, but he was a lot younger than Biden is. In fact, if Biden ends up winning a second term, he would be 86 years old at the end of his second term. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's just, that's how, think of, think of people that you know, 
and and I know a lot of people in their eighties and nineties. God bless them. And uh, it is the you know you just don't get around like you used to. You got to hold on to stuff to get up and downstairs, and um, and you know you're not as steady on your feet. A lot of people have uh, you know uh, problems with their feet with the nerve damage, and and they they lose their balance with that, and their feet hurt. And so there's just a, a lot of uh, things that uh, that are out there that uh, that uh, cause problems. But to expect somebody to be able to act uh, and perform like a 40, 45, 50, or even a 60-year-old man when he's 80 is really unreasonable if you think about it. I mean, if you're fortunate enough to know somebody that's in their 80s and they're in great shape and they're very mobile and they're everything's going great for them, God bless them because that is a, is a blessing. For most people, I mean, I'm I'm 72. I had two hip replacements, and you know, there's some days I got to stand up real quick, and I got to stand there for a second before I start taking off. And I'm only 72, and uh, so it is just really kind of unreasonable to expect that uh, somebody at the age of 80 could perform the duties of the president. I mean, I wouldn't want to have to do that. I mean, you know, he does like one event a day, and if I was president, that would be my schedule. I'll do one event a day, and that's it. Breakfast. <laughs> I'll answer some questions at breakfast. And then they have to go to all those different you know, ceremonies and say hi to a bunch of people and shake everybody's hand. But apparently he shook every cadet that graduated from the Air Force Academy. He shook every one of their hands. And, I mean, that's strenuous. And uh, But it said that uh, after it happened, he said, I got sandbagged. Uh, Biden laughs off the embarrassing fall of the Air Force Academy, um, the fourth public tumble of the 80-year-old's presidency. Remember, he also fell on the bike where he pulled up and stopped, and he just fell over. Um, he came when Biden was handing out diplomas to cadets at the Air Force Academy that said that, uh, uh, come on, I hate this one. You get in there and they have pop-up ads. Do you hate pop-up ads? I hate pop-up ads. I mean, I wouldn't buy anything just get, if I saw it on a pop-up ad just because I hate them so much. Um, and uh, well, George Gilly's downstairs. Uh, the door is locked downstairs, so I'm going to see if Philip can go let him in and get him up here. He got here a little early, but uh, Philip and I are the only ones in the building this afternoon. Everybody else, it's Friday you remember the old deal is if you can get out, you do get out. Uh, well, they did. And so it's just the two of us here until George Gully is arriving right now downstairs. But the, the point is that uh, the president is, is uh, he's not in the best, not even look back when he was running the first uh, for president when he got elected. I mean, he was at his home in Delaware most of the time, never left the basement. And, uh, you know, and so now they're getting him out, you know, every two or three days he goes and does something. By the way, they just published a picture. He said he's got sandbagged. And there are, and I mentioned earlier, I've covered a lot of stuff. They use sandbags to hold down lights and uh, the tripods on lights and teleprompters. And there's, and I put it up on my Facebook page uh, for today's promo. It's the last picture in a series of pictures for today's show. And it is a, a couple of sandbags. They're black. And they do that so it doesn't, they don't draw attention. And, uh, the, um, the, but they're right beside the base of a teleprompter stand. And he would have had to just walk right in front of the stand and not ever look down. I mean, it's out of the way. 
It wasn't out in the middle of the stage, I can tell you that. Uh, but then, you know, when you're looking for an excuse, any excuse will do. And so that's kind of where he's at. But the, uh, uh, the whole thing is, I mean, the guy's no spring chicken. And, uh, I mean, even look at the other people, uh, that are successful and, uh, you know, that they're heads of corporations and even they will tell you, you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of pull back in for a little bit because, you know, I just uh, can't do what I used to be able to do. And I don't care whether it's, you know, you used to play tennis and we're in great shape. And, and that's the reason most people do that kind of stuff is because they're able to um, to get out there and, and, and exercise. And that keeps your stamina up and it keeps you uh, move, moving, your blood circulating. And if you don't do anything like that, I do like it when he tries to act like he's jogging. You know, he goes, hey, watch this. He takes it. It's like he's been shocked, and he kind of hops up in the air a little bit, and then he uh, goes back to his uh, usual gait, which is uh, not rapid. And uh, but I, it, I say this not at all in jest. Uh, I just think that the fact that he couldn't get up on his own, it took three people to help lift him up, and he's always been able to get up on his own before, even when he stumbled, he could pull himself up. But I mean, I even know that when I get out and play on the floor with my grandson. I, uh, and it's time to get up. I got to go get a little help over here. <laughs> I feel like a big NFL lineman when they're down. You know, they always put their hands up or get one of the younger guys come over there and give them a hand to help lift them up. And uh, and you do need that. So, uh, But we will keep an eye on things, and I'm sure everybody else will too. But I will say this. Keep an eye on what they start saying. Keep an eye on what the Democrats uh Start. They, they're going to downplay the the stumble, and then they, they also they admitted that he did hit his head on the Marine One when he landed at the, the White House, and he was getting off. And has a picture of him holding the back of his head where he bumped his head. Uh, if there's more and more and more of this, they've got to figure out another avenue. I tell the people I'm really disappointed in, and then you say, "Well, his family," because uh, I think there's some highly suspect uh, situations going on with the Biden family. But, I mean, would you, if this was your dad or your granddad, would you at some point go, you know, I think this, you've had enough. You've contributed enough over the years. You've been president, but now you're having some problems, and I, I think it's, uh, I'd rather have you around, sit and watch ball games with, and not that I'd hang out with Joe, but if he was my relative, you know, what are you going to do? And, uh, and and kind of pull it back in and let the Democrats figure out what they're going to do. But I don't see, I think that they will do the same thing they did with, um, Fetterman, who's the senator from uh, Pennsylvania, I mean, the guy has admitted that he's got real mental problems and uh, can, can barely function, and yet they said, you got to hang in there, buddy. <clears throat> we need your vote, and we don't care about your health. Uh, we need your vote, and I think that's kind of what the deal is there. At any rate, prayers go out to, to President Biden that, uh, you know, somehow he finds his way through this, and, and we do too as a country. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. And welcome back on a sunny, hot afternoon. George Gully just arrived, and uh, first thing he said to me as he walked in the building is, "It's hot." 
Which it is hot. It is girl. true. I uh, saw a picture of you down in Florida uh, for your vacation. I just got back. I was coming back while you were headed down. That's right. And I and I saw those uh, Facebook posts that you made and, and said, well, I may be down there with Earl. But we, we, we crossed paths. We, I handed the baton off to you and said, take care of things. We're, I took it out another week. <laughs> Uh, but the weather turned out great for us. How was it? With yeah, all it there? was good for us too, and and we had that one day of rain. But yet, you got to have some rain to break it up. And, and it is that's when you shopping, go shopping. Yeah, that's right. Or, or you take can't a, justify it otherwise. Yeah, or take a nap, which is always it's much higher on my list than shopping. Kathy, did you want to go shopping? I bet I take a nap and you go shopping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we had a great time. I'm sure you did too. I did. It was it was fun. The uh, uh, I just saw the market. They closed at 700 up because yeah. of the jobs uh, numbers that came out. And, uh, you know, everywhere I go, I'm seeing new car tags. Of course, thanks to our county clerk, they're not license plates. No, they're just no, paper no. plates. Those, but, those, they can't get that under control. But you're right. There are a lot of new car tags. And, and we're seeing business come both on the new and used side. I, I shared with you when we talked earlier that uh, fortunately I'm coming on on a, the day after the first, so all the new deals are out, and we've got some new deals, so it's a good opportunity for folks to jump online, maybe do a little pre-shopping. Uh, the weather's getting a little warmer. Get in touch with me, of course. I'm going to plug myself, and then I'll give you the guidelines of what to see and, and what the best deals are. And you say new and used. Uh, so, I mean, right now there's uh, – I know that used cars are still pretty much at a premium. Well, they are – the prices are still strong, but the selection has improved dramatically. We've got over 400 vehicles on the ground. That's not it coming. That's 400 that they can choose from, and there's still some good buys. And since we've had a kind of a push on the trucks, we're starting to see a lot of truck trade-ins and even some of the Tahoes and Suburbans. So uh, I tell people, get online, then get on the phone. Yeah. I saw a brand-new Tahoe yesterday, red it is a gorgeous car. Yeah, they are great looking, and and unfortunately, right now they're a little short. But uh, the, the new body style has changed the look, and it's about uh, eighteen inches longer, so it gives you more trunk space. If you're taking that vacation, this mm-hmm. is a totally different vehicle than what maybe you've seen in the late teens. Then we've got new truck designs that have come out on the twenty five hundreds and a brand new tracks. All those are just now coming in. I did notice that uh, the leather is different now. The new the new Chevy trucks and all it's really it's a total it's a totally different leather than you guys had before. It, it, it developed or changed over time, and and you and I were just talking about your boots, which look great with the mink oil. <laughs> I don't know if we put mink oil on our leather, but but I like it, and uh, it's something to see. And they're very firm, which I like about it. Is it's like uh, you know somebody you go to somebody's house, you sit on the couch, you sink way down in. But then you sit and go to somebody's house, you sit down, and it's like leather, and it's solid, and you don't sink uh-huh. in. And that's the way the seats are in these cars. Design. That's yeah. the way they developed it. Because you don't have that sag like uh, like you saw in the 10, 15 years ago where you sat in a car for a couple of years, and all of a sudden you see this little <laughs> canoe aspect to it. And then you have to peek over the steering wheel because well, sure. you're sunk down sure. so far in the seat. Well, you know, I've lost a little weight. But I, I, <laughs> still it, do a little sinking. Yeah. But not, not, on, as, the, not as much. Not no, on the new seats. No. The... Uh, and in our, because I know that all the the car makers are getting away from sedans. Is Chevy completely done with the sedans? You no, know, you are seeing most of the manufacturers today. They're going to not only the 
the demand which the public wants the SUV because they can ride higher, they can see better. We we almost you rarely even stuff. have a, a request for a car, but that's where it's going. And and then of course down the road we're going to see the electric vehicles, and you will see some electric vehicle cars out there. Um, right now, Nissan. I just delivered one to um, one of your former employers, the sheriff's department, and, and they're utilizing the EVs now. Well, I knew they were going to. Are they the ones? Because I know they've changed the paint jobs on the new ones they're getting in, and where they the whole lower part is uh, kind of an olive green, and then the top is kind of white. Yeah, they're going into the contrast of cladding is the term, and so uh, it's different paint combinations are are being developed. Do they order that when they come in, or do they do that after you, you get them the car? No, no, they we do it before. Oh, okay, and and then get it ready for them. And then the electric cars, uh, I just had a great discussion with a couple of guys that are a lot smarter than me yesterday. And they said there's, you know, everybody talks about lithium batteries, which are most of the car EVs are using now. There's a new battery coming out with, it's called graphene. Have you heard anything about graphene? No, but enlighten me. Uh, well, I'm, Maybe fact, I need it. Well, like to school with you. <laughs> I'm going to have them on the show to talk yeah, about it. Yeah, please do. And they say it's much safer and it's uh-huh. much easier to to manufacture. You don't have to go mine for it like they're doing now with lithium. Which yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see some issues with lithium going long long term. And I think they've been looking for something that could take lithium's place. And this graphene, uh, I really? I was just really surprised. And these guys, they do a lot of contract work for FedEx. These guys are brains ah, okay yeah. and they do it all over the, the real world players and before i come back and see you next next week or next month i'll check into that uh, because it, you know i like to stay and keep people informed because uh everything about electric cars is, is changed from they first came out That's i remember true. we had some at uh, fox 13 and if anything happened you'd be driving down the road they just stop yeah. But you're not hearing that anymore. Well, it's, they're improving, and, and still the infrastructure's not there. But when we're now moving to over 300 miles before charging, yeah. uh, the biggest challenges down the road are going to be in the development of what they call D2 or D3 charging stations. For instance, we were just talking to the Sheriff's Department this week. They'll be able to charge 100 miles in 10 minutes. Wow. And that's going to be the difference where you and I don't have to take the afternoon off to recharge our yeah. car on the way to Florida, like like we, you and I just came back from. But that's years away. So other than for the big um, users such as governments and things Well, like no, that. Tesla has the, the what they call the superchargers. That's right. And what they're saying they're going to start doing is letting other EV vehicles start using those supercharging stations and the other stations just because the country needs to make these cars work. And people need to be able to get where they're going and not have to Well, there's to no doubt it's going to happen. I mean, those people that are the naysayers that say it isn't going to happen. Well, I'm, I'm watching it right well, now. Well, it's happening. Now, my question is how fast will it happen? Because I still know people are buying uh, combustion engines. And and when you when people are coming in, what are they saying to you? Do, they, do most of the people say? They're, they're no say, different than you. They want to make sure they can make it on a trip to the coast. Right. They want to make sure it's economical. Uh, they do want, as you and I both want, uh, the environment to be better. Yep. Uh, but we're not going to do it at the expense of our own convenience. And that's where we're still a little ways off. We will introduce a new pickup truck that's electric this fall. We have uh, two new SUVs that will be introduced. So we'll have a total of four or five vehicles available in the Chevrolet lineup, along with our other sister stores in Nissan and uh, Subaru. And and that's not that far off. Uh, 
For instance, as I mentioned, I was speaking with the sheriff's department. We're going to offer them a what they call a PPV, a, a pursuit vehicle, in a in a vehicle that'll go from zero to sixty in two point nine seconds. <laughs> now that's incredible. That that's is an electric rocket, and it they'll is. be able to catch the bad guys and get up to them. My my concern was, will you and I even hear them coming? No, you won't, because they're quiet. Yeah. George, give them a phone number they can reach Oh, okay, Rhett. Uh, folks, you can reach me by cell, 901-491-8343, or, of course, through Jim Carrey Chevrolet. And check him out on Channel 3 tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock. I'll be there. Don't be late. Thank you. <laughs> he grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere, a radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell. And he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This This is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much and uh, welcome back. Uh, We just had George Gully on from uh, Jim Carrey Chevrolet. And don't forget to check him out tomorrow morning on Channel 3 at 7 o'clock and see some of the great deals they're offering out there. But we were talking about electric cars and, and the future of that and batteries. And uh, I was mentioning uh, these batteries that some friends of mine were telling me about yesterday called graphene batteries. That's G-R-A-P-H-E-N-E batteries uh, in electric vehicles. Um, it's uh, talking about batteries as uh, these graphene batteries as an energy storage system in electric vehicles, EVs. Graphene has several advantages over other commercial standard battery materials, including being strong, lightweight, and more abundant. Uh, The energy systems such as batteries play a critical role in the electric vehicles, plug-in hybrid vehicles, and uh, hybrid electric vehicles. The major battery types currently used in EVs, PHEVs, and HEVs is energy storage systems include lithium, ion batteries, nickel-metal hybrid batteries, and lead-acid batteries, and ultra-capacitators. Among these, lithium-ion batteries are used most extensively in EVs, owing to their high energy efficiency, high power-to-weight ratio, good performance at high temperatures, and better energy ratio per weight compared to other energy storage systems. What they're saying in American is they weigh a lot. And these ion, uh, lithium-ion batteries weigh a lot less and have much more of a longer battery life uh, and more efficient than the other batteries that are out there, which is an extremely significant factor for EV batteries. A lighter car battery weight implies greater mileage in a single charge. However, the high temperature that develops during the battery operation, high cost of production, and issues related to the recycling of dead batteries are the major disadvantages of lithium-ion batteries. Thus, the focus has shifted to graphene batteries as energy storage systems for EVs in recent years. Graphene is referred to as a two-dimensional 2D structure of graphite, where one flat layer of carbon atoms is organized into a supportive honeycomb lattice. Although the graphene can be prepared in several ways, plasma-enhanced chemical vapor disposition is the most suitable technique to produce graphene. The major benefits of the PECVD technique include lower operating substrate temperatures and transfer-free, catalytic-free, and PECVD and special mixture of gases, including carbon, 
is heated into a plasma that creates a layer of graphene on a copper or nickel plate. Subsequently, graphene is extracted from the plate. The number of battery technologies and types can be developed based on graphene. Most promising among them include lithium metal solid-state batteries, solid-state batteries, supercapacitors, and graphene-enhanced lead-acid batteries, graphene-sodium-ion batteries, and graphene-aluminum-ion batteries, and graphene-lithium-ion batteries. So that appears to be the future of it. Past the thing that, that, that they're safer, they're, they last longer, they're lighter. Uh, there's also the fire factor. I know that uh, my son-in-law is a firefighter, and the, the basic uh, firefighting technique when doing um, lithium-ion batteries is make sure nothing else around it catches on fire because you really can't put them out. Once they get started, uh, you just can't put them out. The energy that's created from uh, those batteries is unbelievable in fact i remember a couple of years ago a ship was coming from europe packed with like uh, bmws and bentleys and and one of them caught on fire down in the hole somewhere and the whole ship they had to abandon ship because they could not get down to get it out because there's nothing you can do i mean they got it and they lost that whole ship full of cars god knows how much it was millions but at the same time you got to figure how many of these cars do we see on the side of the road or out on the interstate that are just burned out wrecks? You can't even tell what kind of car it was because there's nothing left of them. Uh, used to, you'd see cars that would, the hood would be burned up, but now the, the cars are just as, just like a, a black skeleton of a, of a car. That's all that's left. And, um, a lot of those are, are battery car fires. The other downside is uh, the charging time. I did a piece a couple of weeks ago on on batteries and EV cars, and I went over to this charging station that's located by uh, Amerigo's over at Park Place Mall and uh, Ridgeway and Poplar. And I sat there and watched them, and these people would back in. Some would park it. One guy got out of his car and walked over to this uh, gym and worked out for an hour. Uh, these other people were reading, but I walked to a number of them because I wanted to get an interview with them, see what they thought about it. And nobody wanted to talk to me about it, which I thought was kind of unusual. I mean, these are all people who who have gotten a cutting edge piece of machinery, um, and they were all they were all Teslas, and they're good looking cars. And you'd think that somebody go, "Yeah, man, I love my car." I said, "There, you want to? Can I get get you to talk to me about your car?" They wouldn't even roll the window down. <laughs> I'm going, okay. I said, uh, you know, I've been being in news for as many years as I have. I had plenty of people tell me I don't want to talk about stuff. But it's usually it's stuff that, you know, you can understand. Like uh, somebody got murdered in the neighborhood or somebody's being investigated with their company. But when you're talking about cars, I mean, that's one thing people have always kind of wanted to talk about. If they got a new car, that's the first thing you want. Let me show you my new car. And if it's, especially if it's cutting edge, you want to say, man, I got the cutting edge. Hey, nobody got this. I got the best thing you've ever seen. And so maybe it was they didn't want to talk about the fact that it takes longer than you would expect to charge them up because I don't think that's a superstation. The only superstation in Memphis is at the Tesla dealership, which is out on Germantown Road North, out there by the Galleria. And in that one, you can go and I think you can charge, get a full charge in like less than an hour. Uh, maybe even less than that, but the other chargers, uh, you know, you may get a half a charge, but when you think about it, when you go, I go to Costco and, uh, sometimes there's eight, 10 cars in front of me, but I'm never there more than 15 minutes. 
I mean, they two at a time, boom, boom, boom. They just move them through. Uh, but once you start filling it up, I got a 15 gallon tank and it takes maybe three minutes to fill up. And, uh, when you think about sitting someplace for, you know, 25, 30 minutes, an hour, uh, well, you got to be someplace. It's just, we're not used to that. I think that probably is it more than anything else. We're not used to have to sit and wait, uh, especially in Memphis. We don't want to wait for anything, traffic lights, <laughs> anything, wait for a table. Nah, we're not waiting. We mean, it's only be 10 minutes. Nah, we're going someplace else. <laughs> wait for nothing, buddy. And uh, I think that probably is the biggest drawback that, and, and the cost of them, they're about $20,000 more than a combustion engine car. And, uh, for a lot of people, <clears throat> it just isn't there yet. And the same thing with, uh, like, uh, the, uh, solar panels. I know, I know somebody bought a bunch of solar panels a few years ago and they bought them something like 15 grand. And then they paid 4,000 to have them put on the house. And then they moved. They had to pay somebody 4,000 to take them off the house and disconnect them. And then they put them in storage at $150 a month in a storage bin. And they've been there until they found their new house. In the meantime, they're seeing uh, these same panels for sale on, on uh, eBay for like 50 bucks a piece. <laughs> You're going, wait a minute, I'm paying 15000 for mine, and now you get them for 50 bucks. So you can't sell them. And to get them to work for you again, you got to pay somebody else another four grand on top of the 15 grand you paid in the beginning and the four grand to put them on, four grand to put them off. Now you pay another four grand to put them on. And the $150 a month you used to store them. I said, would you like to look at some swamp land? I got some down in Florida. <laughs> you sound like a potential customer. But uh, so there's a lot to be said about being cutting edge, and there's a lot to be said about uh, tank, taking a wait-and-see attitude to see how things come out. Remember, and uh, Philip, you're too young for this, but when VHS and Beta take first came out years ago, this is 30-something years ago, and beta actually looked better than VHS, but it wasn't as prevalent. You couldn't find it. You couldn't. You go to to Blockbuster to rent a movie, and the beta section had like eight movies, and the VHS section had thousands. Because I remember this friend of mine, he had beta, and he said, "But mine's so much better." I said, "Yeah, but you can't watch anything." <laughs> and eventually, VHS took over, and then beta went away, and then. Eventually, all VHS disappeared and turned into DVDs, and then even even Blockbuster went away. Although, I understand Blockbuster may be coming back. They're talking about opening some new places because people miss going to a store, walking up down the aisles and looking at the at the uh, different boxes. And, and if you think about it, that's what we used to uh, – that was the whole thing. I mean, I, I watched a lot of movies just off the uh, scene on the front of the box. Ooh, that looks like a good movie. I mean, she's really pretty. <laughs> You know, man, put a good-looking woman on the front of a, of a movie box, and they'll watch it. So there you are. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Stay with us. And welcome back. Uh, doing some more research on graphene batteries, and uh, one of the questions here is, will graphene replace lithium? And the answer is uh, traditional lithium icon ion batteries could soon be replaced in electric cars by a new generation made from graphene. This material has many qualities. In particular, it should allow the battery to be recharged much more rapidly than today. Uh, and then it talks about who some of the leaders are in the business making it. There's a group out of Spain, another one 
that's in Hong Kong. And believe it or not, uh, there's this Tar Gray group out of Canada. You never hear anything really inventive coming out of Canada, but apparently they're hot on the trail of this uh, graphene. Uh, and uh, the other thing is they say that uh, the future of it is that it, it uh, has a could have a very long life as a battery. That's the problem with the with the uh, other batteries that are out there now is that they don't last very long. It's like, and if you got to replace it, there's something like 20 grand to replace the battery in your car, and you can't do anything. Wealth, you can't put a combustion engine in an electric car. So that means you got to replace it with another engine. But they say that uh, this new uh, graphene battery can improve the range, robustness, uh, charging speed, and service life of lithium-ion batteries. It goes on to note that the addition of graphene increases the electrical and thermal conductivity of the batteries for faster charging and better overall performance. Um, and uh, uh, is it cheaper to make? Uh, the sum everything up, a uh, graphene battery is going to make for a better choice over lithium-ion battery in the coming years. It will be remarkably cheaper, smaller, lighter, while offering greater electrical storage and faster charging periods. Um, and so, I mean, it sounds really good to me, and, and that's what everybody wants. You want to be able to go as far as you can go on a on a combustion engine, which on my car, I can go 400 miles on um, my in my Lexus on a full tank of gas. And, uh, but it burns regular gas. I mean, there's, there's some Lexus models that say only burn premium, but, uh, the, my car, I've never put anything in it, but regular gas and it runs great. And, uh, I get it, have a range of 400 miles. And when they get electric cars up to 400 miles and they get the, the charging time down to, you know, even 10 minutes would be amazing. Uh, it's the out, it's, it's when you're driving to Destin and you got to stop in Birmingham for two hours to charge your car. or even longer because that's saying all the charging stations are available. I was looking at something in Dallas the other day and it has a a Tesla charging station. Must have been 40 cars in line waiting to get, get a charge. I mean, you could literally sit there and run out of charge, uh, waiting to get charged and you, and you can't push them. You can't pull them. They have special records that have to come along and lift them up and put them on the back of a, a trailer and even TDOT and uh, all these other highway assistance uh, state uh, financed uh, emergency trucks, uh, have I've seen them now where they've got portable generators. They go out there and they'll hook up a generator to the car and charge the battery on the side of the road so they can get them off the road. And so there's definitely a lot of um, a lot of room for growth, but it is encouraging when you hear something like that. And I just had not heard anything about uh, lithium or these. Uh, graphene batteries until i was talking to my good friend uh, fran glasgow today or actually it was yesterday but uh and then i want to shout out to dylan dandridge who's a one of our staff members here he's uh on vacation with his uh, future in-laws and out at going all out west i just saw some pictures today where he's at uh, yellowstone and yosemite and uh what a great great trip and I told him, I said, well, do it now because in a few years you'll have little big kiddos and you can't, you don't want to go on a long trip with little kiddos. <laughs> you do, but then you, when you go on one, you go, let's not do this again. Um, I remember my wife when she was a little girl, maybe nine or 10, 
her grandparents had a camper, a truck that uh, Walter built a uh, camper shell on the back. And they went out west and went everywhere. They went to Disney World. They went to Yosemite. They went to Yellowstone and camped out in this truck. And she had a ball. Of course, you could do that when you're nine years old and, and when you're in the 60s and 70s. But they went they went everywhere. Walter and Francis, her grandparents, uh, and just you know went all over the country. And, and you get a chance to do that. It was good for her. It was good for them. And she never forgot the trip. And so those are some great places to go. And, and so if you get a chance to go out there, uh, I've been to all those places. I just haven't gone on an extended trip. I remember when I was in Boy Scouts, we went to Philmont. We were up there almost three weeks uh, hiking. I got like three 50-mile uh, hiking badges and one 50-mile horseback bad patch. And uh, then my parents were going to come pick me up. <laughs> so they come pick me up. <laughs> And they're pulling a camper trailer. <laughs> what? I thought we were going home. I was so looking forward to hot showers and, uh, you know, watching TV. And now, no, we thought it'd be fun to go camping for another week or two. <laughs> Man, that's not, I, I never would have dreamed that. And then uh, another camping trip I went on, a uh, uh, canoe trip with Boy Scouts. I went to Charles L. Sumner Canoe Base in Canada up above Minnesota and up uh, there for like almost three weeks. And I remember I met this girl right before I left and she said, I'll write you. And I said, great, I'll write you. <laughs> what I didn't count on is it wasn't like we were going to camp where you went to this one place and stayed. We got in canoes and we paddled up through all these chains of lakes and then came back down. So I was literally uh, in the wilderness for three weeks. So I get to the base camp and I had all these letters from her <laughs> and I'd never written her anything because I was out, right? So I get back to Odessa she wouldn't even take my phone calls. I hate you. <laughs> I wrote you a whole letter. She never would write me back. I went, but, but, but. Anyway, no salvaging that one. That's when I first learned. Sometimes it's easier just to move on. <laughs> just, just move on. <laughs> you can't salvage this wreck. And so that's uh, basically what I did is uh, moved on. But um, if you ever get a chance to go on an extended tour of this country, it's absolutely great. <laughs> I talk to people all the time that go to Europe and Italy and Spain and Portugal and South America. There's so much great stuff right here in this country. I mean, even in Texas, we used to travel all over Texas every summer because you had the mountains, you had the coast, you had the desert, you had the piney woods, you had South Texas, North Texas, uh, all kinds of rivers and things to do. And we essentially have the same thing here with Arkansas and Mississippi and Tennessee. You got everything in these three states. And, you know, you should take advantage of it. I'm just amazed all the time that people say, you ever been camping? Well, no. Why not? You're in the middle of some of the best camping places in the world because I don't know anything about it, which is true. You have to have somebody that says, okay, we're going to start doing this and just figure it out. I mean, listen, if the caveman could figure it out, you could figure it out, I mean, you know? And uh, and with the stuff they make now, just go to, to Bass Pro and say, we want to get a tent that's functional with some fishing, just some real simple fishing gear, and tell us where to go. And they will. And I highly recommend doing it. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, then we're going to talk about lifeguards. There's a huge shortage of them. We'll talk about it coming up. And 
And welcome back. Joining me in studio is Randy Wright with The Dive Shop. And I was watching uh, Fox News yesterday morning, and they were saying a lot of beaches like in Chicago, New Jersey, uh, New York, uh, and all over the country are not able to open the beaches up because they can't find lifeguards. I would imagine pools are having trouble, too. Yes. We've been been trying to get our swim program back up and running now for almost a year. It'll be a year in July. So what is the deal? I mean, in fact, we were just talking. When I was in high school, I was on the swimming team, and Dad always sent me out to work in the summers and and, uh, Christmas vacation. We didn't have fall or spring breaks in those days. Right. Uh, But wherever I was off, he sent me back to the oil field to work and make money. And so I said, this year, I'm going to fake him out. I'm going to get my senior life-saving badge and my certificate, and I'm going to go to the country club and get a job as a lifeguard. And sit on a lifeguard stand and look at the pretty girls with zinc oxide on my nose. There you go. And, and spend the summer at the beach. <laughs> and so I filled, got the certificate, went to there, filled out the application, brought it back. They said, "Who's your parents?" I said, "Well, Bates and Kathleen." They said, but "Yeah, but are they members here?" I said, "Well, no." He goes, "Give me the here's your application, Becky." <laughs> sorry go, about you're that. You're going back to the oil field, pal. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. There's Do a public see? pool down the road. Uh, and then, but I didn't even think I, that. I just said, man, I was so disheartened over that. Sure. Did you Did you ever do a lifeguard? Uh, I did for a couple of summers at a at a place in um, Baton Rouge at the uh, this little club. There it was a big big hotel in the front, and there were two private little clubs. They're basically places where you could play poker and drink on Sunday. Sort of like the Catholic club. Yeah, <laughs> kind of like that. Um, but, um, you know, the one that we were at, you know, there were several movies. The thing that I remember is that Charlton Heston's wife showed up. Oh, wow. They didn't want to go to the hotel pool, right? So they asked if they could come over to these two clubs. And she showed up with two white German shepherds and laid, like, for two weeks out by wow. the pool every day, which was really, really cool. Guess, Very nice person. I would guess anybody bothered her with the two German shepherds. No, <laughs> no, no, no. There was a little gawking going on. But, I mean, you know, she was very sweet and very nice. And But you remember that here, my, my wife, Kathy, worked at the Catholic Club, sold candy, worked in the snack bar. Sure. I mean, that's where kids found jobs every summer mm-hmm. was working at swimming pools or at the snack yep. bar, lifeguarding, um Handed out the towels and checking people in and out of the locker room. Well, and everybody, you know, right now, these days, everybody in town is hurting for swim instructors. Yeah. If you've got any experience at all in, in teaching swimming, call the dive shop now. Um, you know, I mean, cause we've got, we've always got openings in that world and I can understand how, you know, that's the same world, uh, that, that kind of thing. So it's, uh, you know, I remember it was what two years ago, maybe, or three years ago, maybe before COVID, we were talking, uh, one time about what they were paying lifeguards in Southern California yeah. just to get them to work. It was something like, I'm thinking like a hundred thousand dollars. It was, yes. It what was is that? Very close yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you can be a professional in that world. Uh, I don't know what they're paying in New Jersey, but in Southern California, those guys get paid well. Well, if you think about it, how much are they losing by not being able to have people go to the beach, all the concession stands and all that kind of stuff, if you can't have a lifeguard on? Yeah, I know the post. The picture that you posted was a red flag. Yeah. And the water wasn't bad. There was just nobody in the chair. And uh, it ain't Lake Baywatch. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They had plenty of people around, as I remember. Yeah. And, And they were all good looking. Well, that you know, quite 
traditionally that's the way it is. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's one of those kind of things to where it's it's a uh, you know Southern California. I know it's a real career. It's part of the sure you know, like the fire service or anybody else. It's a it's a for real job. Do you think it's a generational thing that kids uh, just don't want to do that anymore? I don't really know. I you know it's one of those kind of things. The the service industry and that class of employment kind of disappeared after COVID. Um, and it's very difficult to hire people into those jobs these days. Um, don't know really, can't put my finger on it. Well, you know, we used to have in broadcasting, there were always young people hanging around the station, whether it was television or radio, that just wanted to learn the business. Sure. And they'd say, can I just hang around and I'll be your gopher, you know, I'll go for yeah. get coffee, I'll uh, sweep up, whatever I can do. And then eventually an opening would come up and say, well, hey kid, well, you, you want to do this? Yeah. Yeah. I, I get paid. Yeah. And that, that doesn't exist anymore. I mean, not not like it did in the old days. Yeah, well, you just don't see those kinds of things very much. There are still industries like film and, and that kind of thing that that's the only way in. Yeah. You and, know, you can go get a degree, but you're going to have to do your time um, just helping somebody until some production company picks you up and you get some street cred. You that's know? what they call apprentice. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And uh, it is still that way. I was watching a, a show yesterday. And they were talking about now that uh, a few years ago, 90% of every, everybody graduating high school uh, had plans to go to college. Right. And with the cost of college and education and student loans going up, and, and it's done nothing but go up, even during the, the pandemic. Sure. That now people and the, the corporations out there are saying, we need welders, plumbers, electricians. That's exactly right. And you can make six figures out. Oh, I've got, we had a young man that was working for us, and when he graduated from high school, he went to uh, join the electrician's union, and they paid him to get his education, and once he became uh, actually qualified and licensed as an electrician, he's making nice money, and but he was able to, to move out of his home, you know, out of his mom and dad's house and get a, get a place of his own um, while he was in his apprenticeship. I mean, they were paying big money, and this has only been, you know, right before the pandemic type of thing. So those jobs, you know, this idea that people have to go to college to be successful um, just isn't true anymore. Well, I don't think the jobs are there anymore. For yeah. Especially, remember when everybody wanted to get an MBA? And, yeah. uh, I mean, they all wanted to join these big corporations for these hostile takeovers, and people were making millions of dollars sure. and stuff. Then all of a sudden, one day, he said, uh, "You're you're meeting people that are Uber drivers that got their um, their masters and stuff." Sure. And, well, I mean, uh, you get an education degree or those kinds of things. Uh, you know, my degree's in psychology, which doesn't pay until you get a doctorate. Um, so it's one of those kind of things to where I I went from college directly into the construction business, um, into the glass trade, glass and glazing, and. Uh, was very successful there, and that's, in fact, how I got to Memphis with Ben Swanger Glass Company uh, and met Doug, and I was interested in diving and was an instructor, so that that was a perfect move for me. He wanted to expand his business and, and make it bigger and grow it, so he invited me to come inside, and the rest, as they say, is history. But I think that, that kids are, and, and adults should steer them in some other directions now instead of going and in, going into debt for really a large portion of the rest of your life mm -hmm. uh, to go and explore some other things. Like you said, the the electric 
uh, union uh, paid for the education sure. of this kid. Well, I mean, you, if you've had anything repaired at your house or, or had anything done to an appliance or anything else, there's a lot of money changing hands. <laughs> I called you the other day because I knew you came here with Ben Swingers. I said, uh, golf ball took out a storm window of my house. And I called uh, up and they wanted like 400 bucks. I said, surely sure. that, that it could be done for cheaper than that. I started checking around. That, that really wasn't out of line with what it cost to fix a window now. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, to have somebody come out and take the, take the pain down off the second story and then take it back to the shop and rebuild it put the frame thing back in the frame and then bring it back out there and screw it back up it's, yeah, well, see i didn't know what was involved until i downloaded a video off of youtube it's, and you were talking about glazing yeah yeah i, I found out what that was <laughs> it ain't easy it's not simple <laughs> no and if you don't do it right guess what the window falls out and you got to go do it again so well, glass is like electricity you can see right through it and it'll take your arm off if you're not careful you know so that's the reason i never wanted to go into it because i always looked at electricity as kind of mystical you know yeah, there's well there's two people on the construction site that get a lot of respect that's the glass guys and the electricians nobody fools with their work no it may say don't touch it you don't touch it that's exactly right we're talking with randy Wright with the dive shop uh, we're gonna take a quick break come back we'll talk about some hot places to go right now everybody's looking to get out and uh, go someplace uh I do know the seaweedies moved into uh, the um, Key West area and the east coast of Florida, yeah. but the panhandle still looks good. Panhandle looks great. Right yeah, now. so we'll talk about it when we come back. Stay with us. Ah, uh, Summer Breeze, Mr. Frank Sinatra. Absolutely. That's a great song for when you think about going to the beach. Good, good choice, Phil. Uh, Phil, we were talking a minute ago about the younger generation. You working? I mean, have you always worked uh, your whole life? Um, I've worked since I was like fifteen or so. But that's good. I mean, uh, we were talking. We started. We were about nine. Yeah, six, I was, started at six or seven. Uh, but I'm I'm just wondering if it's different now. Did most of your other friends get jobs when they were in their twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, or were you one of the few? Um, I would say. They did, mostly. Are most of them working now, or are there a lot of kids living at home just watching TV and playing video games? Um, they're in college. A lot of a lot of my friends are yeah. and working yeah. some as well. Well, it's just interesting. I guess uh, times change, and so do what people expect, you know. Uh, but I'm glad you're in broadcasting, so don't go anywhere. <laughs> uh, we're talking with Randy Wright about... Uh, about summer vacation, and uh, I know that we just got back from Destin, and the beaches were perfect. Yep. Uh, no seaweed. Uh, the tempest was great. We had 80-degree days. Yeah, uh, water clarity is really nice right now. I'm still getting reports off the Gulf Coast. Everybody's having great days out diving that the water clarity is, you know, for the Gulf Coast, if you start getting 30 to 50 feet of visibility you're getting really nice diving oh yeah um and there's tons of great wrecks down there in fact they're they're increasing the number of wrecks almost on an annual basis they just put one down in destin there's another one that went down in panama city i want to say alabama got a new one um so there's tons of great stuff to go diving on had one of your graduates from your um school uh jared bullock who works for uh, the museum of um, history and science right right and uh, they're going down to do um is it with statue diving 
art diving. They got all these statues that they've dropped down in the water, and so you swim through it. It's a yeah. There's a couple of places that they do that. There's one in Mexico that's an installation by a real famous artist. I don't know exactly who he is. Um, there's another one in Cayman Brac. Uh, where they did kind of a underwater statuary thing. And, of course, there's Christ of the Abyss down in Key Largo. Um, there's another Christ statue in Grand Cayman. Uh, there's a mermaid, I think, there. Um, there's just, you know, that's been very popular for a number of years to put statuary underwater. But it's like you did all these wrecks are down there, and those sure. are fun to go do. Uh, but he said he got certified with you, and he said um, now that he said I need to get back over there because now that we're he said now we don't take a trip that we don't go diving. Sure, and he said that's how we we've changed uh, what our agenda is because we used to pick places and go. Now we pick places and we go scuba diving because that's our main interest. And as as we say in the, in the commercial we did, is that it really does change the way you look at life. Sure. Well, I mean, it, there's no way that you can go underwater and look at the diversity and stuff down there and think that it just happened. Yeah. You know, that's kind of that that getting back to the spiritual side. Regardless of what you believe in that world, when you see how diverse it is underwater, it's just like, okay, this just happened. That's not... The other thing I think it's always amazing, too, is that they're so accepting of aliens coming down from... <laughs> Yeah, most things are. They do tend to, you know, the the places where we go where there's lots of divers, the the fish and the critters and the other things that are there are accustomed to seeing large, awkward things underwater. Ugly. With, with one huge eye and lots of foam coming out of their face. Um, you know, people used to talk to me about, you know, they ask about sharks. Well, what about sharks? I said, well, if you walked out in your backyard and there was a big, awkward thing out there stumbling around with one big eye and bubbles coming out of its head would you taste it or run away you know i would run away yeah so do the sharks that's you know uh one of the nice things about the fish adapting to that and the creatures that live there adapting to that is we do get to see a lot more stuff um and you know quite frankly with the reduction in the number of cruise ships that are out there and the number of the amount of just surface traffic that's going on we're still seeing a lot more turtles things larger animals on the dives closer into shore than we did prior to and i remember you telling me when the pandemic first started I said well one of the good things to come out of this is the oceans are much cleaner coral reefs are growing back the the population in fact i saw the other day where Sharks along the East Coast have increased dramatically. Mm-hmm. That's because of the seal populations and all the other animal populations have increased that uh, the sharks go with the ecosystem. Sure, they do. And, and uh, you know, everything has gotten a little bit better. Now, we still have the temperature rise causing some problems in a lot of areas in the ocean and that kind of thing. So there are still things that are affecting it. And as the tourism grows back and so forth, we're going to see that degrade again. Uh, when you go to these smaller islands, places like Cozumel, and they went from, uh, you know, 12, 14, 16 cruise ships a day to wow. zero for two years, yeah, almost two years, then the reef recovery is unbelievable. And it's not, you know, it's it's just the number of people on the island, the amount of people in the water all the time, and all the associated activities that go with that, um, that that basically push the fish away into deeper water and that kind of thing. And when that 
when that activity stopped, the reefs just instantly, this life came back and started that relationship going again. But we're going to see it dwindle away as, you know, I've got a good friend of mine that's in Grand Cayman, and they're starting to see cruise ships again almost on a daily basis, and they're already seeing an effect on the reef and what's going on with the with the life there. Not that the life is dying or anything. It's just moving away from all that activity. It, it's what they call pressure in hunting. Sure. Because uh, I've hunted all over the country, and you go to a place that they never see human beings, there is no pressure on them. Right. In fact, they even see you. They're going to run just if they see anything. Right. Anything that's out of the ordinary, they're going to move away. Movement from. alone will, will make them go. Uh, whereas animals that are around are pressured all the time and see human beings and stuff, and they learn uh, they, they, they avoid them, but they're not as skittish about it. Uh, but uh, it is interesting. It, then you have animals like the porpoises and the whales that actually like human beings. They're curious. Yeah. You know, they're curious, sentient beings, and they, they want to know what that is, that weird thing that's in their environment. How they get held with the dive shop if they want to learn to instruct or yeah give us a call a at 901-763-3483 or stop by and see us at 999 south yates just off poplar all right that's it for us have a great weekend we'll see you monday